0: Welcome to Gadgets, a podcast from Gizmodo, where you woman playing the latest technology. I'm your host, consumer tech reporter Florence Ion, and I'm your
1: co-host, consumer technology deputy editor Michelle Earhart.
0: Hi, Michelle. Hi, Flo. I am uh, so happy that we're doing this again today on May the fourth. Be with you. Oh my god. Oh, I've just I decided to just just start back out with so it. many memories. Yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna have fun. Um, That's a little teaser to what we're gonna talk about later today in the podcast. I definitely jumped ahead on it, and I apologize. But I just got finished watching Ewan McGregor and the new trailer that came out today, so he may or may not be flashing in my mind right now. (laughs) I haven't been
1: excited for a new Star Wars thing for like a while, but I love uh, Ewan McGregor, so we'll see.
0: Okay, we'll talk. Okay, great. We'll talk about this. Uh, But before we talk about it. We have to do a little programming note, right, Mm -hmm. for our listeners, which is that soon, listeners, you will hopefully be turned into viewers.
1: Yes. I know that you've been uh, talking about wanting a video component to the podcast for a little bit, Flo. You know, we're gadgets. We show gadgets, and uh, (laughs) it's helpful to be able to have them on camera sometimes.
0: Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've... Well, anybody who's listened to the podcast since the first episode can knows how many times I've held up something only to describe it. And it's (laughs) like, it's great, but it's yeah, I was re-listening to our uh,
1: smartwatch conversation the other day and we were talking about this shape of your Galaxy watch versus like the pixel leaks or mm-hmm. whatever. And it would be great to like be able to actually show that to people, but we will be able to now. We're still figuring out some of the details. Um, you'll still be able to get this as a podcast. So don't worry. Uh, but we're working on adding video components to the podcast, uh, uploading them to Gizmodo's YouTube channel. Um, um, we'll provide the links so you can follow along pretty easily. But yeah, look forward to that.
0: I'm looking forward to it too. Granted, it means now I'm gonna have to do my hair, brush my hair, actually. <laughs> oh my god! Recordings. I'm <laughs> glad we're
1: not doing it this week. I I didn't have time to do makeup, but yeah, I'm gonna have I, I, to. Oh, I'm
0: only doing a practice run. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Like, I'm you literally look so on fleek. I appreciate Flo. that. I this was a practice <laughs> run. Let's try and do makeup while. My child has passed out on my bed because now she's sleeping in my bed because we're at that age. So <laughs> we've also got one other little order of business to get through before we get to today's show, which is that um abortion rights, <laughs> yeah, are under attack in America just to, you know, just to bluntly put it out there. And uh, we, I feel like need to do a PSA for folks. To protect themselves, especially if they have a uterus, because uh, scary, scary things are happening if you've been reading the headlines. And actually, just last night, Del Cameron published kind of a damning report on Gizmodo about some of the shady data practices that can actually put your life at risk if you're a person seeking an abortion from a state that's either working to ban it or currently has very restrictive abortion laws. Anything from web searches to phone records and app data could be weaponized <laughs> against people seeking abortions. So I um I couldn't find any definitive link. I, I will try and find something before we put the show notes together for this episode for um the RSS feeds, but there if you can find anything out there on how to protect how to keep your phone from like tracking certain things, maybe use a search engine like DuckDuckGo, there's a lot of Privacy forward practices. Or TOR or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you
1: live in a state that is hostile to abortion, uh, there have been instances in the past where uh, people have been prosecuted for, you know, searching for anything from plan B mm-hmm. to birth control, even um, to even just like searching for abortion providers. And then I actually saw something, uh, a warning on Twitter earlier today from a data security person who said, if you keep track of your ovulation in an app or something Mm -hmm. like that, it might be a good idea to move to pen and paper uh, for the time going forward.
0: (sighs) Which is, it's ridiculous because our smartwatches that we buy for these things, like my Samsung Health uh which is the app on my Samsung watch it does period tracking and i rely on it like clockwork every month there's apps like clue which i was reading like they have some protections but it's still because i don't cover this specifically i f- i feel i don't want to give bad advice but because i because i know duckduckgo is pretty privacy forward i'm suggesting that cuz it's a very easy Thing to get from any app store and just kind of start that way so um things to consider michelle
1: yeah not not ideal mm-hmm. um it's definitely something that there's a lot of apps out there now and you'll have to consider them in a different light going forward obviously the story is still ongoing um mm-hmm. stay clued to the site we might want to put together a uh a list of resources and tools to help you uh, maintain your data security regarding abortion.
0: Mm -hmm. Stay tuned to that. Well, this feels like a good time to everybody. Take a little breath. We are going to go into the show this week, hopefully to provide you a little distraction from everything that's going on with some like some good things, right? We're going to talk about the right to repair your laptop and smartphone. Like that's a really good thing that's happening for consumer tech. So we're going to get into that, into you know why Microsoft, Apple, and Google—they're all on board for this. We're also going to take a look ahead at the future, which is always a good, positive thing, at the gadgets coming through the pipeline because Google I/O is next week. Mm-hmm. That's Google's big developer conference. It always happens around my birthday. I guess it's just Google's way of throwing me a party. Uh, can you blame them? I'm so great. Just kidding. Um, but I'm looking Flo, forward. to Are you to one it. of those people
1: who celebrates a whole birthday month?
0: Yeah, I may. Er- there were two Google IOs that overlapped directly on my birthday, and I did make it known in the press room that it was my birthday both times. Not only. Excellent. Do the- the fellow colleagues, but also to the Google execs. <laughs> they, uh, when they I'm start <laughs> uh, having you over in person again, they should have cake ready. Listen, uh, I just considered all of the free snacks they were giving us to kind of keep us. You know, it was an outdoor event. As the, as my birthday treat. <laughs> it's little things in life. Uh, finally, we're going to talk about. It turns out that Michelle and I have histories with Star Wars. Yes. It is May fourth.
1: Uh, there's that new Obi Wan trailer we were discussing hmm. earlier. Still uh, on my mind. And yeah, <laughs> Flo told me about her fan fiction earlier today. We will get so into thought- it.
0: Let, yes, sneak peek. Let's let's tease it. All right. After this.
1: So, uh, Right to Repair has been making a fairly strong resurgence recently after being shut down by larger companies like Apple and Microsoft. Um, Just last week, we saw Apple start its self-service repair program. It's still got some major caveats, uh, including that unless you have the tools you need, you'll have to rent like a giant $49 box. That is like a good hefty two grocery bags worth of weight, but, but Apple's not the only one that's moving into what? Right to Repair. Microsoft, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll talk about that. Oh. Um Microsoft also announced yesterday that it is looking into right to repair. We don't have any specifics, but they did a study where they were talking about, turns out that if you repair something rather than replacing it, you have much less of an ecological footprint. Um, Who knew? so it's <laughs> kind of good for, uh, all, uh, all parties involved. But of course, uh, Especially Apple still wants to keep their iron fist over it. So uh, there are definitely some asterisks on all these things. But yeah, right right to repair is in the news after being shut down for most of the past, you know, five years or so.
0: I have been really excited to see Samsung and Google get on board as well with their phones because (sighs) I think I mentioned this on the podcast before or possibly I mentioned this on another podcast, but um, I I. Tell this story all the time that I dropped my Pixel 3 in front of Marilyn Monroe's Palm Springs home. Oh my God. And so the sad part of this is that Marilyn Monroe passed in that home, RIP. Um, I know she's like back in the zeitgeist right now because of the Met Gala, but that's neither here there. And um, so I, I made up this little story that I was haunted by the ghost of Marilyn Monroe, and that's what broke my Pixel 3. It was a pain in the butt to get that thing sent out to Texas and fixed. Like it was, I was really lucky that I have this job that I do where I have phones, you know, available to like pull Mm -hmm. from because I would have been screwed. I would have been screwed. I was without a phone for a couple of weeks. So, my
1: last Android phone was a Pixel One Mm -hmm. that I stayed with for a little too long. And that wasn't just because I was afraid to swap to iPhone or because I'm hesitant to upgrade my phones more than, like, every few years or so. But it was also a little too long because a few months into owning it, I accidentally stepped on it and (laughs) crushed the the camera. Oh, my Um, God,
0: Michelle!
1: That was the (laughs) whole point of the Pixel was the camera. (laughs) I know. I was so disappointed to... Um, and I was thinking, well, how often do I actually use the camera? Part of the reason I bought how this was because I, I wanted camera on a, smartphone. a usable camera. Uh, But yeah, I was very stubbornly sticking with it for a while. And I was thinking, well, maybe I should take it into a repair shop. But I don't know if they'll have the tools that they need because it's a Google phone. I don't want to really bother sending it in to people. So I just lived with it for forever until eventually I was like, well, at this point, it's just easier to get my iPhone. (laughs) Um, But maybe... If I had like some sort of website I could have just logged on to and gotten the parts I need, I could have actually used the camera that the Pixel was famous for.
0: That, that is the most frustrating part of this ecosystem thing is because it feels like, oh, well, I chose this like Tinkers e- ecosystem. So like, why should I, you know, but Apple's always had the infrastructure to have a store where if you break something, you can go to somebody and physically yell at them to fix it for you which I understand is a thing consumers want to do. They'll
1: overcharge you so much, but...
0: But at least there is something... Like, if I when I was in Palm Springs, I could have at least, I don't know, driven to wherever the nearest Apple store was. I guess I would have to go to LA. I don't know. But just thinking about that, what I was reading, though, is that because Google and Samsung in particular, they're working with iFixit to make these kits, is that... So the idea of breaking something in some random area where I am and being able to like overnight a kit to fix things, like that's pretty exciting. It's like being able mm-hmm. to go buy a first aid, you know, a, a, get a band aid for your smartphone. But of course, you would have to feel comfortable with like removing a, you know, the little motherboard strip or I forget, I forget the technical the name for it but um all the little bits inside the phone it can be a little scary to do that on your own
1: that actually leads me to a really great point because speaking of i fix it they actually had a lot of criticisms of apple's new right to repair program obviously it's a um, oh. or self repair program obviously it's a lot better than it was before but there's a huge caveat to the self repair program in that if you need a new part you have to have your serial number for your old part to send to Apple, um, so that you can then get the new part shipped to you. Which means that you know third-party repair shops won't be able to just like keep parts on hand. Uh, which means that if you want to repair your iPhone, you basically either have to do self-service or go to the genius, or I guess maybe a repair shop can like take your, your serial number. Or you find a cousin.
0: You find a cousin who's comfortable with this. <laughs> but that's the thing.
1: It's like you can't go to either you accept the, if you're not comfortable tinkering around in the phone yourself. uh This like ability to buy parts piecemeal won't mean a lot to you because either you go to the genius at the Apple store and have them do it for you, at which point you're doing the same thing you've been able to do for forever, or you do it yourself, but you won't be able to go to like a third party shop that's cheaper than Apple and have them do it for
0: you. Yeah, you know, you're making me think about I live in a In what the Bay Area we call a small town, which is like twenty two thousand (laughs) people, but so small, I know, right? Small. I used to to (laughs) live in Indiana. We had towns of like five hundred. Yeah, exactly. I know. That's why I'm sort of uh, laughing about that. But so we have a little computer shop, right? And that's where people go and get like their their Macs and their PCs and their phones fixed. And I think about them, like, how are they going to fare after all this? You know, there are mom and pop shops that they've built their businesses off of helping people fix their stuff. And it's like the gentrification of
1: the gentrification of right to repair. Yeah. I don't know. No, I agree um speaking of that there's actually like um so obviously you need tools to repair your phone yeah and we were talking about apple again not to belabor the point on apple but this is one of our biggest stories last Mm -hmm. week which is if you need to get the tools to repair your phone and you don't have them you can either buy them piecemeal so like you can get a torque driver yeah which is uh one of those like screwdrivers that uses tension to drive in bits um for $13 from them um if you don't have it already uh or no $85 sorry $13 is a torque security bit I'm like $13 would be way $85 so it's $85 to get an apple torque driver you can buy one third party you know uh, so right. this is actually interesting we're gonna get a lot of like Apple tools, I guess. But if you only need it once, you can also buy a kit from Apple uh, that is $49. It's a rental. It lasts for seven days. You get two cases, one of which is 43 pounds. The other is 36 pounds. And it comes with all this stuff, probably way more than you actually need for one repair. So it's really funny that they're going to ship it all to you. Uh, but it might be less expensive than buying that one specific tool to keep if you're never going to use it again.
0: Wow. Um, that's interesting. I am just thinking about all the back in the day and in the, in the first couple generations of the iPhone. I remember it had a very specific screw that you could not unscrew unless you bought, I think it was like the, the little star shaped screwdriver the, the like, torque screws yeah. yeah and um i remember like you have to go buy that off amazon before you could do well, at least you could buy it off amazon and do it yourself one of my favorite like
1: things that i've gotten uh from work was my last job i got an eye fix it kit from them and it just has all these different screw bits uh include in all those different styles mm-hmm. of, like Flat, Phillips Torx, uh, all sort of different sizes. And it suddenly became way easier to open up my own gadgets. Mm-hmm. But those things are expensive. There are like non iFixit branded ones. But again, if you're just going to repair your phone once, this $49 kit might be appealing to you. It's just, you know... Oh, about seventy pounds, and comes with let's see, a heated display removal fixture, oh my a heated God. display pocket, battery and display presses, a repair tray, and all these other things that you probably won't use for the one specific repair you're making.
0: I just want to say I have all those things in my closet right now. I have I have the little I have the little heat gun because I use it for embossing, but you can also use it to like take a stickers off a of MacBook. <laughs> so. You know. That actually makes me
1: wonder, like, if there's gonna be like be hack pages coming up. So, like, how to use
0: your crafting? I'll materials. go see what I can find on TikTok right now. Actually, I'm I'm sure mm-hmm. there's already stuff out there. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking I have a little magnet tray already because I already do the keyboard thing. So I needed something to, and also I used to build my own PCs, so I had some of these things around already.
1: Yeah, not everyone is like
0: us, I was just gonna but say, but I do like the idea of
1: using like stuff that isn't necessarily intended for phone or PC repair to make the repair. Like if you can get the official part. Um it's not necessarily something that we yeah. fully endorse. You might break your warranty that way, but it might be something that to look into for an article for the site, honestly.
0: Well we'll life have hacks. to we'll have to <laughs> life hacking your own repair. Well, uh I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see on the on the other smartphone parts that's coming out later this year, especially for the Pixel and for the Galaxy smartphones. Um I hope that I can get my hands on on something to like take something apart. I don't know. I just I want to see it. I want to try it.
1: Yeah. Try it. We'll see. We'll uh, we'll get you something, Flo.
0: Yeah, well, maybe that
1: can be that would be good video content for a new video component.
0: Mm-hmm. It'll just be me here, like taking a thing apart, I'll pull a little camera down on my hands while we do the podcast. Not distracting at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay, let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll talk about gadgets that don't exist yet that haven't broken on us because they don't exist yet. <laughs> See you in a bit. be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Well, news has kind of been, well, I shouldn't say news. The gadget news has been not in a lull, but it's definitely waiting. It's like waiting for the calm we're we're in the calm right now before the storm, I should say, and so Michelle, I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to enjoy the spring weather that is aggravating our allergies. <laughs> Talk about what will be. I have allergies, so I'm speaking. <laughs>
1: I have allergies too, but I I don't have any spring weather to enjoy right now. It is so foggy and misty over here. I apologize. It has been
0: so. I was led astray Uh, by social media. We're in May
1: showers right now, not even April showers, but...
0: All right. Well, still, at least there's some gadgets to keep you comfy through this transition of the seasons. Um, The first thing I really want to start out with, because we talked about the Pixel Watch last week. So if you would like to hear about that, we've got a whole segment on how that was left in a bar, what that means for wearables. But the thing about the Pixel Watch is that it also brought us to the fact that next week is Google I.O. And with the Android mm-hmm. 13 beta being out right now, finally, for like the Android fans to try out on their Pixel devices, it means that there's new, go- new devices from Google on the horizon. Google. I like I that. I, I didn't mean to do that, but it happened. The Pixel 6a, I've been getting queries about this from my personal network of people who are now like you know, shopping for phones, because should they wait for the 6A since it's been rumored it's around the corner? Should they buy the 5A since it's available in the store right now? I actually don't have an answer to either of those because...
1: (laughs) It's really hard to make these (laughs) these, uh, statements like the week before you know anything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I guess like anytime there's a big announcement coming up and it's like, should I buy the thing that exists now or should I wait? And it's like, well, you're going to have more information if you wait. And chances are there might even be a price drop if you wait because they'll announce the new thing and then they'll need to move stock of the old thing.
0: That's right. And by the way, a good place where stock is moved is on Amazon. (laughs) Just as a side note. (laughs) Um, I'm very surprised at how... Like I recently led a friend to actually buy, and it's not about future gadgets, but to actually buy the Pixel Five, the because they wanted a smaller phone that was like flagship worthy, but not the same price as what a flagship is. So we went on a hunt. Now it turns out you could still find some at Amazon. So pro tip there.
1: Hashtag uh, not yeah. sponsored.
0: Yeah, no, 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 just absolutely not sponsored. <laughs> just. <laughs> Just want to offer a little tip there. It, the other little tip, and this one is a little. This one's exciting for me because I really, really liked this phone. I'm gonna grab right now the Galaxy Z Flip Three. Oh my god, I love folding smartphones.
1: Flo I, I miss love this flip one. Phones.
0: I love this mm-hmm. one. This was this was a great release. The camera on it isn't. Um, it's about like two generations back, so not, you know, not the kind of thing that would replace maybe the flagship you have now. But if you really wanted that form factor, it was absolutely the kind of thing you could carry. And so the Z Flip 4 is starting to get some buzz. I actually just wrote about some rumors around that uh, for Gizmodo. And one of the exciting things, and I know this might sound very menial, but the cover screen. Now, this phone isn't on, and I, I regret that I didn't turn it on beforehand so I could show you what it does. But over here this in this This is part, such a great, like, demonstration of why I'm excited to add
1: video to the podcast, yes. by
0: the way. Yes. So there's, this, like, this covered part on the front. It's a 1.9-inch screen. And usually when it's lit up, it looks like a cool, neat little screensaver. Kind of like how, you know, your watch looks when you flip it over, right? And it's because it's Samsung, you know, their displays are really great. This is proven... Through and through. It looks really neat when you pair the flip with like a case or something, you know, if you really want to go for like a motif. So the Galaxy Z flip four is getting a two-inch cover screen, possibly. What is that? An extra like centimeter or something like that? A little more space hey, for More your-
1: real estate is more real estate.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's very true, Michelle. Uh, speaking of real estate, so that's that's exciting. We don't really know much else about it. Maybe it'll have a slightly bigger battery, which was one of the the big issues of the Z Flip Three. Was yeah, very-
1: but it's it'll probably still be kind of behind on battery life from the uh, article that you wrote up, right?
0: Considering considering all the Android flagships that just came out this year have a five thousand milliamp battery as like the highest. Uh, the Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra has that, and that thing lasts, like, what, 18 hours, I think? I remember my battery test for that. I mean, that's incredible, and that is – that was not what the Flip was doing. I mean, I imagine – it's
1: hard to have a bigger battery because batteries in don't – In this form factor? Fold, yeah. yeah.
0: and what they did is is they cut the battery, right, so they could put it in each –
1: part Mm -hmm. so
0: that when you fold it close and they do this in the in the fold as well and the fold is the one that folds like literally a book um it's all all very interesting and samsung just keeps iterating on this so if you really want to make that jump to a folding phone the good news is there's going to probably be more choices later this summer so something to look forward to
1: that actually ties into our right to repair story Mm -hmm. i think because um what is it the reason i swapped from, I used to have like a, a phone with a flip out keyboard. Uh, I stayed mm-hmm. on those phones for way longer than I think everyone else. And the reason I eventually gave up on them is because uh, it broke eventually. And I took it to the repair shop and they had no uh, ability to repair it. And it was kind of <laughs> messing with my display as well. It wasn't even a lack of parts. They were just like, so if you have moving parts, in a phone it will eventually break on you um yep. so as we get like into hard these hard phones with moving parts uh the ability to get parts sent to you to replace them and and guidance on repairing them i think is exciting to me
0: extreme digression here i just need to bring up the fact that Michelle, do you remember, I'm assuming you and I went to college around the same time. Do you remember in college with the original iPods how everybody would be really sad because their hard drive would just die inside of it and kill all of their Mm music? Just -hmm. vividly came to my mind right now. Speaking of right to repair, speaking of right to repair, should we talk about virtual reality for a little bit? Yeah. Is that okay?
1: Let's leave our disastrous reality and enter a new disastrous reality.
0: I actually am not. As hating on the metaverse, <laughs> uh, yes the the marketing around it is absolutely like very broy right now, which is throwing you know it, it's completely killing the vibe for me in this moment. But before all this metaverse shenaniganery, uh, which is a word I kind of made up, I was really into my quest too.
1: The Quest 2 is definitely something that has been very, like, exciting to me. I've been considering buying one since it was the Oculus Quest 2. Um, And now at this point, I think, like we were talking about earlier, it might be best to wait and see what the new stuff that gets announced is. Because a leak has come out, and Meta is supposedly working on delivering four new headsets by 2024.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm... This is like smartphones, right? You know how Samsung has like the the small phone, the medium, like pretty good phone, and then the super premium, this is the best you can get. It feels like they're going for a similar strategy here with the VR headsets. And my fear is that as well as the Quest sold this past holiday season, because I, I believe I read that there was like an uptick in sales, I fear that society is not quite clamoring for this (laughs) well the thing is like
1: or are they maybe i'm wrong well there's so many like aside from just like the niche uh use cases for vr as it exists there's so many like ability you know asterisks that you need to add to vr some people don't have the vision to, like, yeah. use VR properly, or they need to wear glasses while they use it, which isn't super exciting, or if the headset is super snug to their face, they have to buy these proprietary prescription lenses specifically for their headset, which is not as great. I didn't have a great first experience to VR because when I tried it, I was glasses list. And I didn't realize at that point that I needed reading glasses. Um And for something as close to my eyes as VR is, uh, everything was super fuzzy. I haven't tried it since I got my reading glasses, so maybe I'd enjoy it again. But the idea of strapping a big headset over my expensive, fragile glasses is not super appealing to me. I'm sorry,
0: Michelle, you don't want to strap a laptop for your face. <laughs> To your face. Yes, that's the
1: quote they have for <laughs> yeah. like their most their new most expensive model is they're describing it as a laptop for your face. It's supposed to have like Chromebook level. How power, does that which entice
0: is- me? I, I don't want a laptop on my face. In fact my migraines are like a little far away. <laughs>
1: that's the other thing with these headsets is I still think they're kind of chonky and, and heavy and it's really they are. just like,
0: I get like my neck starts to feel a little tired definitely because I have this bridge, this little bridge on my nose. um Sometimes if I'm too tight on the, on the strap, it'll like kind of start to ache. It's physically a very different way of interacting with technology than versus the phone where we're just right. And like, <laughs>
1: I'm still a little hesitant for like what you get from VR. The VR that the VR headsets that you can connect to some sort of other device to up their power are nice, but they also you know strap you down to one location. Right, uh, they can be a bit heavier, which is why the Quest Two is so. <sighs> Thinking appealing. about
0: you, HTC Vive. <sighs>
1: So the HTC Vive, for those who don't know, offered like room tracking and uh, it played your Steam games. That was it, the it, immersive have, one. I it tr- sounds like you had one. Flow. No,
0: I I was um, I was very fortunate to to have one of the first demos like way back when it came out, and I was just super, I remember being super blown away by it because I went to a couple of the Oculus conferences back when it was still called mm-hmm. Oculus, and I um. Definitely ended up with my head in the toilet at one of them, because because I felt so sick after what I had to do for one of the titles, so again i feel like see i was (laughs) it took me a
1: second to realize what you were saying there i thought you like had accidentally navigated your way to the toilet (laughs)
0: possibility while
1: wearing the headset which does bring me to their they're working on meta is working on adding cameras to the outside of its headset now so that you can actually see the real world through them which i think was another the quest does this by the way
0: which help which helps me a lot so it'll kind of like show you um a grayed out Visual of the area around you, and it helps you, it helps your brain sort of like understand where you are in proximity. Um, so I see them working the kinks and all this, and so I feel less apprehensive.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not like new
0: tech, but they're working on like
1: making mixed reality headsets that can do both VR and AR. So, like, you wear them at your desk and you code, but you're in the Amazon rainforest or whatever.
0: Or I could just use my little Nest audio speaker here in the back, ask G-Dog to turn it on for me. (laughs) We're going to call it G-Dog because I don't want to trigger anybody's smart speakers. And, um, you know, just to have the rainforest in my room without anything on my head.
1: See, that's the other thing is like for these use cases for the headsets, I don't want to belabor this point, but like the headsets that can display really good graphics are really expensive and chonky and tie you down to some sort of machine that it connects to. The headsets that are portable are a lot more affordable and nice and give you a similar experience. Like you still get the 3D and the head tracking, but like the R is a, a little less R, I think, because the graphics aren't going to be as nice. So it'll feel less you're, like you're in a different reality or whatever. Like this new, super powerful standalone headset that they're working on, their new high-end one, uh, I said earlier, it's still only supposed to have specs like about on par with the Chromebook, which is not very powerful if we're calling it a laptop for your face.
0: I'll, I'll allow that with my, my precious Chromebooks. I have an affinity for them. So... <laughs> you, you have an affinity for all things Google, Flo? Not all things. Oh. Not all things. Um, Is that a good segue? Well, I feel like this is – well, the thing is I'll never use an Apple Watch because the iPhone is not my daily driver, but I look forward to what is coming to the Apple Watch and here we're segueing into our last little bit here for our gadgets look ahead, which is – When the Apple Watch does something for health tracking that no other smartwatch has done before, usually the rest of the industry looks and goes, oh, crap, we need to do that. So then that's good for me, because usually the first one to do that is Samsung, and I have a Samsung watch, so, you know, just thinking about me. That's
1: true. Yeah, we were talking, you weren't very uh, hype on the Pixel Watch last week.
0: No, we could do a What's whole the, episode about We'll
1: see what the official thing is,
0: but... Yeah, we'll see. But here, back to the Apple Watch, the Series 8 is starting to kind of make its rounds in the rumor mill. Um, Apple fans are really looking forward to this because the Series 7, from what I understand, was just kind of like a a menial bump up. Like, it wasn't really anything extraordinary. And so I think if folks are really wanting the Series 8 to bring some of the rumored abilities that uh, everyone thought... Was going to come to it, which one of which is body temperature tracking. And this is important because we're talking a lot about pregnancy on today's podcast. Um, but one of the reasons is important is because of fertility. Um, body temperature is one way that you can work with your doctor to like figure out ovulation or just like what's going on inside your body. Also, anybody who just has like general health concerns, or maybe they um, have an autoimmune disorder or something of the sort, to be able to check what's going on internally in your body any little bit helps, even if it is just aggregated data. Maybe it's not the most accurate, but having a little graph to understand how your body is in idle mode, let's just say, like that can help exponentially in figuring out what's going on inside. So if the Apple Watch Series 8 turns out to to do this, you know, this makes me excited about other smartwatches and what they'll be able to do. So yeah, we're I'm not sure how they're going to do it. The reason they haven't done it
1: in the past is because skin temperature doesn't necessarily equate to body temperature, especially around your wrist. It's just super, yep. you know, it's exposed to the elements, it can change for all sorts of reasons that don't affect your like, internal body uh but you know over the course of the pandemic i've had people you know shoot me with those body temperature tracking lasers or whatever um i've even like gone to the dentist and they put a little thermometer Mm -hmm. on my wrist to check my body temperature so it seems like there's been some kind of breakthrough um it'd be cool to have access to that kind of tech myself especially as we're being a lot more conscious uh about our health these days
0: i had a um clamp on my finger while I was in labor. Mm-hmm. That was like the big one watching. And what was also really interesting, and I I didn't know, I learned a lot <laughs> going into labor. I didn't know that they also checked the baby's heart rate by putting a node on your body, like right above where they think the baby is. So I just thought it was very interesting. We're doing all this in the hospitals. How do we translate this to a wearable, right? I'm very curious mm-hmm. to see if Apple can figure this out it means good news for the rest of us. So and I mean, a lot of people love Apple Health. So it's even more data to add to your your Apple Health. I just want to say I don't love Samsung Health, but I I definitely had to find ways to love it because it's what I have.
1: At the same time, though, I feel like we would be remiss to just like, hype up this body temperature thing without linking it back to what we talked about in the intro, which it's it's yet more data that they're tracking on you that can relate to fertility. And you never know what lawyers will want to use. So you know, if you get one of these smartphones uh, or smartwatches that can track this and you live in a state where that data could be used against you, again, that's something that you might want to consider moving to pen and paper at least for a little bit
0: thank you michelle for reminding us of that well that feels like i don't mean to drag us down no listen it's the reality and we got we got to do what we got to do but you know what we can segue to our next little distraction so why don't we take a little break and then when we get back we can you know just visualize
1: far far with ewan
0: mcgregor i mean (laughs) come on Michelle, I've been racking my brain on how to start this section. We could start it, like, real intense Star Wars fans and do, like, the whole John Williams score. Or I could just start it out by saying, how excited are we for Ewan McGregor to reprise his role? He's, like, the best part of the prequels,
1: which I have warmed up on uh, over the past few years. Like, I think a lot of people have. Controversial take. Um... (laughs) That might be, oh, is that my, one of my first big gadgets hot takes is that I kind of like the prequels.
0: Okay, I didn't see the fan. But, but, but let me finish my thought, which is
1: that I still don't love the prequels. And I mean, the acting is one of the most unbearable parts of it, except for Ewan McGregor, who I think carries those movies. And I'm excited to see him reprise his role.
0: Okay, this is perfect. I'm glad you brought up the acting because the uh, the person that I sort of blame for the act, I'm sorry. The other great part of the prequels was Natalie Portman, right? Because mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. is an amazing crier. She per- puts her whole face into it. Like that's how we know she's a great actress. Hayden Christensen, not not so good. I'm sorry, Hayden. You know,
1: I'm hesitant to blame any one specific actor for their okay. acting in that. Even Natalie Portman great actress there are some really stinker I haven't scenes revisited the movies
0: since the early aughts so you have more you're you're more right than I am on this I wonder how much of the
1: acting problems actually come down to directing which right. uh I'm also interested in then because um Hayden Christensen Yeah, Hayden is supposedly going to be back as Darth Vader in the Obi-Wan series, which is interesting. I don't know how you do that. Darth Vader has that very iconic voice. So I don't know if and like his body's all covered up in his armor. So I don't know how you make it be like, this is Hayden Christensen, as opposed to this is anyone playing darth vader with the darth vader voice maybe there'll be flashbacks but i feel like there's a lot of chances for redemption here
0: i really by the way liked the third episode three i did because it was super dark and i just i've always wanted to really because the original star wars it had dark tones to it but it definitely the older you get the less dark it feels because when I first saw Star right. Wars, I was I was 10. How old were you when you first
1: saw Star Wars? Oh, I think I was maybe, when I, well, when I first saw it, I was like six or seven, and I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't care, and it looked super old to me, and I really disappointed my dad because I'm like, Dad, I don't want to watch this anymore.
0: Okay, I was going to ask, did your parents do this? Did, did your parents get you into it is what I mean to ask. My My dad tried to get me into it,
1: and then I wasn't loving it. I gave up on it. Um, and then I rediscovered it later when I was like in my early teens, maybe even like late pre-teens, like twelve to thirteen mm-hmm. or whatever. I know that when I was in middle school, I got so big into Star Wars that I actually started playing the MMO that they had at the time, Star Wars Galaxies. Oh my uh, gosh! Which I have a- so many feelings on that are probably too much for this segment but i was a star wars super fan for a while there and then i sort of fell off of it a little bit and then i picked it back up recently i've been reading like the Thrawn trilogy Mm -hmm. which is the the big eu series that even people who don't like really like the eu tend to respect um i've been reading the sequel to that can you tell Uh, people what
0: eu is for the uninitiated oh yes
1: so EU means uh, expanded universe and that is all of the like stuff that is no longer canon but prior to Disney's acquisition of mm-hmm. Star Wars any Star Wars material that wasn't like in the 6 movies was considered EU material. Um, and that included a lot of novels, video games, right. comics, etc. Uh, I think that's how a lot of people in my generation got into Star Wars was actually the video games and the books, and then we went back and watched the movies uh, with our knowledge from that.
0: Yes, I discovered Star Wars through we had a substitute teacher, and they played Empire Strikes Back, and that was my first the first time I saw it, and then they re-released the original trilogy remember they like remastered it and put it in theaters mm-hmm. so i asked my mom to take me to see return of the jedi which is so so random right for my mom i think because this wasn't something that i had expressed interest in before and then after that um the shadows in the empire came out on n64 and that game i love that's one of my favorite games And I've been trying to replay it, but, like, it's very hard to do without an original N64. Um, N64 emulation is a... Yeah, it's not amazing. No. Um, And I'll give you the skinny on that. The reason is because remapping the N64 controls on, like, an emulator is very hard if you don't know what you're doing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's just... That's why, uh, for anybody who's curious.
1: That that uh that game itself also had some really wonky controls. I think the most luck I've had with emulating an N sixty four controller was uh Zelda stuff. Yeah, that's mostly because Zelda already has remappable buttons built into it.
0: Yeah, but I will say the Shadows of the Empire really like deepened my fandom. And then I remember in middle school going to the library and like reading through the books because, and that is where folks we get to my fan fiction. So middle school in California starts at 10. They Well, they used to shove us in the fifth to eighth graders into one school. So um, I was lucky enough I had access to that library. But what I also had access to was the Internet at the time, <laughs> specifically AOL. And AOL is what taught me keyword Star Wars, that people write fan fiction about these things. So one summer, when we were remodeling our house, and I like, had to hang out in a room while everybody painted everywhere else, I started drawing and writing my um, Sailor Moon meets Star Wars crossover fanfic. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful, Flo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love
1: that. hmm Mm-hmm. So was uh, yeah. was was Usagi a Jedi or?
0: Oh, no. Here's what we do. Uh, so what happened <laughs> was that she had a daughter that she didn't know about. And so Chibi Moon actually had a, uh, a twin that was left in okay. another galaxy. And the galaxy was the Star Wars galaxy. And that twin turned out to be, I can't believe I'm going into this right now on this podcast. That twin turned out to be the leader of the Sailor Crystal Warriors. <laughs> Just. Which is what I was drawing, because you know when you're into anime, you try and draw anime, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though you don't know how to draw. Uh, <laughs> so that's what I drew that summer. I like made all these comic books of the Sailor Crystal Warriors, and then I I wrote this very embarrassing story, which I I kept. It's in a folder, um, somewhere here in my in my lab, and uh, basically tells the story of how that. Sailor Scout of the Sailor Christian Warriors met Luke Skywalker and ultimately um, caused him to go against his Jedi beliefs.
1: By doing what, Flo? By falling in love with him. Oh, my God. I was a Luke Skywalker
0: girl. I was a Luke Skywalker girl. I was never a Han Solo chick.
1: I think that's fine. One of my favorite parts of the EU is Mara Jade, which is like Luke Skywalker's wife. And Um, I learned
0: about that through the books, right? So I said, let me do mm -hmm. my own take on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So thank you, Middle School Library, for this is why libraries are important people. We need to not ban books, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Let children be creative.
1: I don't want to go on on yet another tangent within a tangent, but there was a a Star Wars comic in my middle school library that had like, oh, this actually brings us back. It had Darth Maul with robot legs tracking down Obi-Wan on Tatooine to get his revenge. And this was years before they actually made that canon in, in the Clone Wars cartoon, which is good on the whole. I think it... It might get overhyped. There are definitely some segments that are still, like, very much the worst parts of the prequels. But Darth Maul in the in the Clone Wars cartoon sounds very silly, bring him back with robot legs. But he's, like, the best part of that cartoon, mostly because they need some kind of big villain and they can only do so much with Palpatine and Darth Vader.
0: I want you all to know, before we wrap up the segment, that Michelle talked me out of doing a segment today to do it here on Star Wars and I'm really glad that we did because it turns out <laughs> our Star Wars histories are very storied and very deep and uh I guess I should I still ask- haven't gotten
1: into uh into why I kind of like the prequels
0: oh yes please please do that please oh, oh
1: no I I think that's probably saved for another time I'll let the mm. the comments come in and and call me uh call me out first
0: yeah, let's say Who knows? You know, with this new video format, we could maybe do a video uh, chat for something. I don't know <laughs> if anybody's interested. I have to ask you though, um, is Disney, this is a, this is a very loaded question. Is Disney ruining Star Wars for you? That's such a loaded question. I know. To end because on, my I know. answer
1: is, my answer is kind of yes, but I don't want to come across like the people who say like The Last Jedi is terrible because The Last Jedi is easily the most interesting Star Wars thing they've done to me. Um, it's And there's only so much you can ruin Star Wars given that it was kind of dead for a long time. But I'll say this, a lot of the Disney Star Wars stuff to me is very meh. Um, which is not something that I had felt about Star Wars prior to Disney's acquisition. Star Wars was either very, very good to me or very, very bad. And that me- meant it was always interesting to me uh, in either way. Uh, but a lot of the current Star Wars stuff is like, you know, very, I can skip it. Uh very much like I don't feel a ton of a reason to pay attention to it. And that's a feeling that I'm not used to having with Star Wars. Although I will say there has been very, very bad stuff. Uh I really do not like Rise of Skywalker. I saw it on my birthday. Uh it was not a good birthday present, but that's okay. I went to drunk Shakespeare later that night.
0: Oh good. I'm glad you I'm glad you made <laughs> up for it. Um Yeah. Wow. I Listen, I share a similar sentiment. I and mean, we were just talking about all these like memories that we have of being young with Star Wars. And uh, it's hard to see it barreling. Unlike, let's say, Sailor Moon, where they just kind of made, they just redid the story in a different way, which is okay. I don't know. It's, uh, God, we could do a whole episode on this, couldn't we? We could. We really could. We really could. Well, let's just let's just stop it there and say if you do have Disney Plus, uh, (laughs) the new Ewan McGregor, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be streaming starting May 27th. So something to mark your calendars for. That's exciting. I
1: really did not like the Boba Fett show, but I liked Mandalorian fairly well. That's how I felt too. Yeah. I like their anime collection that they did with the anime Star Wars yeah. shorts. This could be good. It's a part of the story that I'm really interested in. Uh before we leave though, I do have to say like one of the things that really bothers me with Star Wars is knowing that the canon is leading up to the sequel trilogy makes all this stuff that they're doing that takes place in between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy feel really disappointing and pointless in a way. Uh like I'm really excited about all this new republic stuff but then i know that force awakens is gonna happen and they're gonna you know just reset everything again in the future you know what? i can just pretend that part of the canon didn't happen
0: why don't we just write our own fan fiction
1: yes screw it that's the solution to everything that is really. a
0: solution if you don't like it write fan fiction somebody out there will appreciate it basically
1: that's basically what disney is doing right now so
0: yeah they're paying pe- they're paying the wrong people Okay. This is getting too controversial. I better back out of this before I, uh, before we need to get an IO9 uh, representative in here to really <laughs> lead us, I feel. Um, so with that, if anybody does have any comments on Michelle's <laughs> take and my take on how Disney is treating Star Wars, you can actually email us at We will take your comments right there. Just send it to our inbox, we will see them. Um yes. Is, yes.
1: <laughs> if, you, uh, if you if you're interested in a, a Star Wars episode, uh let me know. I actually used to run a Star Wars column on a now defunct site geek.com uh where I published a new Star Wars thing every day. Uh so We're learning I definitely so much. We have a lot of venting to do.
0: We're learning so Sorry, much. I don't
1: mean to control the conversation. No,
0: I'm I uh, I didn't realize. I'm getting to Getting to know you. See, when you ask me, do I
1: like Star Wars? My thing is like, I am capable of talking about Star Wars for a long time, but it's a side of myself I don't like to like people to see.
0: I feel that. I feel that. Well, in that note, before we go, we want to thank our sound engineer, Ryan Allen. This is our last time that he'll be editing or producing this podcast. Thank you, Ryan, for the last 27 episodes. You've made us sound so great. And this podcast would have been nothing without your editing prowess on the back end. We also want to thank our cover designer, Vicky Lita for making our beautiful podcast album art that we carry with us everywhere. And a reminder that you can tweet us at Gizmodo if you use Twitter, and you can also find find michelle and i on our respective social media profiles michelle where can folks find you
1: people can find me on at shell Earhart. it's just michelle but with the mi cut
0: off perfect and that's actually how i look for you when i tag you on twitter as i start with a c Ooh, ch and as for me you can find me at oh that flow wherever you get your social media um i'm everywhere As for this podcast, remember, you can still subscribe to our audio feed wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a review. It helps us so much. We'll have more details for you next week on what's coming up. So until then, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. Bye. Bye. (laughs)